Now, before we get on to this episode, I just want to mention how you can support us at High Five Adventure. Now, High Five has seen firsthand the ongoing impact of the pandemic on student and teachers. There has never been a more urgent time to support classrooms and communities as they rebuild. You can help High Five reach, teach, and transform the lives of young people with a gift of any size. You can donate online by visiting our website at highfiveadventure.org. That's H-I-G-H, the number five, adventure.org, and click on the support us at the very top of the page. From everyone at High Five and myself, thank you so much for your support. And on to the episode. This is Vertical Playpen, the podcast all about adventure and experiential education. I'm your host, Phil, and I had the pleasure in this episode to connect with Harv Teitelbaum, who is a member of the global organization of tree climbers. I think what you'll hear in this is his passion and energy around engaging people in the experience of climbing trees, and it 100% relates if you happen to have a challenge course that operates in trees. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy this episode and let's begin. Uh, thanks once again, Half, for joining us on the podcast. It's a real treat to be able to talk to someone who is adjacent to the industry that I'm in and has no doubt um, overlap. There's a it, something that I have benefited from doing the podcast, and we're over the hundred episode mark now. Is the opportunity for me to be able to connect with people outside of my bubble? I tend to find outdoor industries have small clicks and bubbles, and sometimes we feel like we're isolated. Oh, we're the only ones doing this. And then through the process of me connecting with more people, I found how close other industries are, and how all of these people are connected. So before we get into talking about tree climbing in, in its generalities and maybe talking about some specifics about that. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Harv. How, how did you end up finding something like this and finding it a way into a career? What's the origin point? Well, I had been working in the environmental field. Um, I had worked for the Colorado, Colorado Division of Wildlife and was also working for a local soil, soil conservation district. I had taught uh, environmental uh, education, uh, wildlife watching workshops, had been involved in starting the green movement in Colorado, and had done, uh, I had a business in which I introduced environmental practices and energy conservation. So 9-11 happened, and I was working at the Soil Conservation District, and I just thought that I had to get more involved with environmental activities directly. My, my master's degree is in something called eco-psychology, uh, which is the kind of the confluence of the environment and human well-being. So all these things were in the back of my mind. 9-11 happened. Uh, at the same time, I saw a, uh, a video uh, segment on TV, and it was about this guy climbing trees. And he was taking his um, um, his girlfriend at the time. He was taking she was uh, post polio, so she had some physical issues, and 
So he was taking her up. They, we have these systems for, for helping people get up in the trees. And he was taking her up in the trees in the Northwest. And it was just wonderful. And when he brought her down, he proposed to her. Uh, so the whole thing was just a beautiful story. And it combined a lot of things that I loved. It combined adventure. It combined the newness of discovery of seeing something that perhaps nobody's ever seen before. If you think about it, we know trees from, you know, the first few feet uh, up to the tree. We, we, we might touch the tree. We might look up in the tree. That's our perspective. But there's a whole other, whole other country up there, a whole other architecture, landscape perspective that we don't know. So there was the sense of discovery. There was a physicality of it. There was being out in the woods. So I called him up the next day and I said, uh, I want to learn how to climb. And he said, yeah, that's great. You can come on down and train with me. Or here's some other instructors that you can train with. And I, I was shocked by that as well, that he would refer the business to other perhaps competitors, but perhaps not. So there was this community of like-minded people that joined around the, not just tree climbing, but the ethic of, of climbing trees and sharing it and that sort of, uh, that sort of thing. So I did, I went down to Atlanta and I trained, it was in December and I trained to basic, you know, basic climbing. And then I took additional courses, other techniques, single rope technique. And I trained as a facilitator to take up groups and other people. Then I got invited to train as an instructor because we don't treat that as a commodity. We, we invite people to, to train for that. And I became a senior instructor and a master instructor. And now I, I train other people. And that's how, it, that's how it started for me. For you personally, how would you describe your experience of, of tree climbing? What, what does it give you? What does it make you feel? Well, you, you've touched on a lot of things there, the emotional aspect of it. You know, we're all under, under a lot of stress these days <laughs> uh, with the pandemic. We all feel a little closed in. We, we, see, we also see people uh, acting badly and the political situation. And it's easy just to feel, you know, just like you're being, you know, closed in on. Uh, so what tree climbing does for me, it gives me a sense of perspective. It, it resets me in the universe. It opens up my, my frame of reference. Some people call it tree time, uh, getting up in the trees. You're, you're in a different, a different place. Time moves differently. And I get it as soon as I'm off the ground. As soon as I'm off the ground, I am... I'm in that place. I don't want to come down. You know, I don't want to come down and say, oh, I have to go back into, you know, real life. So there is a connection. There's also something I think more primitive and foundational about it. There's the theory that we are arboreal in our, um, in our heritage, in our evolution. So there's a sense of coming home or returning home when you get up in the tree, a sense of safety and belonging. Uh, that uh, people feel, uh, that, I, that I feel when I climb up in a tree. All that acts upon my experience. Uh, I don't necessarily, you know, hate coming down or just want to turn around and go back up, but there is a sense of regret. And I, I usually t take the descent very slowly, you know, like uh, one strand at a time on my rope uh, when I'm coming down. 
just just to enjoy the uh, just to enjoy the time. But that's I climb a lot by myself because I don't have a whole lot of other climbers. I've trained a lot of people, but they 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 take off or do uh, are out of state. But when I'm out in the woods, I still do all my checks. I still say some things out loud. I still feel like the the whole tree climbing community is with me. Uh, that I owe it to my uh, those who came before me, uh, my elders, my teachers, to follow all the safety protocols because they are with me. I'm never I'm never alone in the trees. I think that most people listening to this, even if they've not tree climbed, but even if they if they've been on a challenge course, when you when you get off the ground and you're on a platform or you're you're above that ground level, there is a different sensation, not just the physical sensation, but I think that there there is that mental piece to it that I think for me when I'm up in in the air I feel like there I'm only really focused on that there's a really um like a blinkered uh, mindset of what I'm doing and I think there is safety related to that I'm of I'm of someone who is very very clear on when we when I'm teaching people that we do those those checks and we do those verbal checks like you were saying like speaking out loud i i tell people even if you're up there if you're weight checking a new system like tell us like go through the process because i think it reminds you gets out of complacency but that focus because you're focused on those things allows you to forget all the other nonsense that goes on the rest of the world when we're on the ground i know there's all a manner of things to worry about i've got a young daughter so i'm worrying about school i mean you know like whatever's happening with her my wife and family back home and you know everything everything and everything and I was actually reflecting recently, and I wonder if you experienced this too, not just the being in the air, but the teaching of others, the training others. When I'm running a training workshop, when I'm in the moment of training, that's all I'm doing. That's it, It's such a relaxing experience to feel like the only thing I have to worry about right now is keeping these people safe and giving them good information. I really can shut off. And it's only when I, on the drive home, I'm like, hey, I got to back into the world I go. Does that relate to you when you're, when you're training that kind of narrow focus exactly i i uh i love training i um i'm getting a little bit older you probably didn't notice so i'm not doing as many i used to do a lot of uh group programs with parks and recs and nature centers and the like uh now i just do trainings and i love training because people there are people who want to be there they want to learn how to do this they want to be part of of your community and how great is that that they're entrusting you with with taking them to this new place. Uh, so I love training. I love bringing new people into the community uh, of tree climbers. I love meeting the, the, the various uh, walks of life that they come from. I recently had, uh, I, had, I wasn't sure if I was going to keep on doing any more trainings into the fall. And then I got an email from this, uh, uh, this woman from uh, Puerto Rico. She's a circus aerialist, an acrobat. And, you know, she sent me pictures of some great trees and she had done some climbing with somebody else and, and just, you know, her doing things in the trees upside down. And I said, wow, I got to She wants to learn. How can I say no? And that's pretty much the way it is. People, people will email me and they say, I want to learn. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, well, I was going to, I was going to put it to bed for the winter, but how can I say no? I just love it. I, I also feed off, I, I was an adjunct teaching environmental science at the college level for 10 years. And what I loved about that was being able to bring new concepts and new ideas to the students, things that they never knew about, that I knew would blow their minds a little bit, that I knew would 
would excite at least a, a certain uh, minority of them, a certain portion of the, of the, of the student uh, of the class would be excited by that and it might change their lives. So how, how much of a gift is that to be able to, to share that with other people, to, give the, to, to present that to other people, whether it's tree climbing or, or environmental science class? Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that's the beauty of it. Where can people find information about tree climbing? Thank you for asking that, because we always do want to tell people about who we are. After I had been instructing and climbing, a couple of us, uh, actually it was me and a, an old-time climber named Abe Winters, decided that we really needed a, a democratic, bottom-up nonprofit, a 501c3 uh, nonprofit to not standardize, but to kind of share guidelines on on climbing and training and doing program climbs, and also to spread the practice of safe tree climbing worldwide. So we formed something called the uh, uh, GOTC, or Go Tree Climbing, or the Global Organization of Tree Climbers, which is at gotreeclimbing.org. And on that website, there is a, a searchable map, uh, map, a database of at least all the ones we know, all the instructors and tree climbing facilitators around the world. So it's a map. You just click on click on the the uh, the spot, and they'll pop up contact information, and it will tell you if they're instructors, basic instructors, or senior instructors, or master instructors, whether they're facilitators. Um, and all around the world, we have instructors and facilitators. So uh, just going to gotreeclimbing.org or emailing info at treeclimbing.org, uh, info at gotreeclimbing.org will get you kind of hooked up with that, with that system. Listeners can see in the description of this episode, I'll put all those links so you can find easy access to be able to find out more information about tree climbing. Uh, we're always growing. We're always looking for ways to spread the uh, spread the word like what we're doing here mm -hmm. is hopefully spreading the word. Hopefully somebody will say, Hey, that sounds like a great thing to do. Um, most of the people who come to me for training are not, not arborists or tree care workers, although I do get a lot of those, but they're teachers, they're engineers, they're sometimes photographers who want to get up there. They're just people who want to change, uh, change up their lives a little bit. Uh, imagine that instead of taking a vacation, hundreds of miles away or thousands of miles away, you could just go, go vertical for 50, 75 feet and find, discover a whole new world, a whole new vacation. So we, I like to think we are growing. We're doing everything we can to grow. But then again, I don't just want people rampaging through the forest and, and throwing their ropes up. There's a, a right way and a wrong way to, to do this. Uh, there's a safe way and an unsafe way. So we, t we teach what we think is the right safe way to climb. And I'm, uh, I can confidently say that since we've been doing this officially, since it's been recreational tree climbing since about 1983, uh, we have conducted worldwide hundreds of thousands, if not, not close to a million ascents. And there hasn't been one serious injury. 
for people following our safety protocols and our, our, our techniques and our methods. People do get hurt climbing trees, and there are fly-by-night outfits uh, who think, hey, I can try that. Maybe it's another revenue stream. I'll just you know, uh, put up an advertisement or something and say we're doing recreational tree climbing, and people get hurt. And that's when they call us to see about how to do it properly and safely. Talking about tree climbing, because you mentioned at the start, I believe, that the accessibility, the ease of the accessibility of, from a physical perspective, it seems like there's a lot of gear that you're utilizing that means that physicality of the person isn't necessarily a hindrance at their ability to be able to climb. So what do you use? What kind of mechanics do you employ to allow people to be able to set no matter what the physical abilities of them are? Great question. So uh, it doesn't require great physicality. You don't have to be in terrific shape. You should be in decent shape. We say um, good not to have a, a heart problem. Uh, when you're doing this, but you don't have to, you know, uh, there is some exertional aspects to this. So the way it works is the basic technique is what we call the doubled rope technique or DDRT. Uh, we used to just call it double rope technique, but that's a speed climbing technique. So we added the D on the end for doubled, like past tense or something. So doubled rope technique. So it's a rope that's, that's worked up and over a branch or a crotch, as we call it up there, where the junction uh, between two branches. And because of that doubled rope, you get a strength advantage uh, without getting into physics and math. And I know you said there'd be no math. Without getting into that, the, uh, the doubled rope, uh, you, you would say push or pull down a foot on one side and you go up six inches on the other side. Uh, so you lose the distance there, but you gain a two to one strength advantage. Theoretically, there is friction up on top, although we, we do run the rope through uh, friction-saving devices to protect the rope and the tree from the sliding rope. Uh, so you get that two-to-one uh, mechanical advantage, but it's more like, you know, one and three quarters in real, in real life. Um, then we use knots and hitches, knots to clip in or attach to, and hitches to friction hitches with which to slide up the rope that allow, you know, slide up the rope and then hold you in place. So you're pretty much uh, like an inchworm working your way up, sliding this friction hitch up. And then when you come down, you just pull down the friction hitch and that rele releases the tension on there and you, you come down under control. So we know a lot of people have problems with height. I tend to think everybody has some problem with heights. It's just on a, a scale. The thing with recreational tree climbing is the speed at which you ascend and descend are always under your, your control. You control how fast you go or whether or not you just want to stop and stay in place. So it's a very human-scaled, uh, human-paced experience. Mm -hmm. But that's it. There's not a whole lot of equipment to get started. Uh, first of all, for training, the instructors usually provide all the equipment because the equipment has to be under their care and custody and control. They have to know the, the provenance of, the, uh, of all the equipment. So for safety, they provide all the, the equipment. But to buy your own kit, you have to buy a, a rope. Arborist rope is different from rock climbing rope. So you cannot use rock climbing rope. 
Uh, we use arborist ropes and arborist saddles, which are very comfortable and are ma made to hold you even if you're upside down. Then we have, you know, the same carabiners uh, you folks use, but uh, we will have a, a safety protocol of having triple action auto locking for our clip and our attachment. Uh, then helmets, same as probably what you use, uh, uh, Petzl or Black Diamond or Cask or something. I don't know that we get something for product placement or... Oh, I hope so. <laughs> if I keep saying Petzl enough, maybe they'll give me something. But maybe, not yet. Maybe. Not yet. No, I wouldn't count on it. <laughs> no. Um, so uh, we have a rope. We have uh, saddles or harnesses. We have carabiners, helmets. And then there are just all sorts of accessories and throw lines. You need throw lines and throw bags for getting your rope up into the tree. You need... Uh, we have these little um, pieces of conduit uh, that we use for uh, rope savers or cambium savers uh, to protect the tree. Uh, we use those. So there are all sorts of little accoutrements and accessory things. But those are the basics, maybe four or $500. So you've talked about having a throw bag. So I, I recently, last summer, I decided to create a rope swing for my daughter. And so I brought myself an arborist throw bag. I would say it took me, and I'm not exaggerating, maybe 45 throw attempts to get it over this crux of this tree. And I was sweating and embarrassed. How do you get the, the ropes over those trees? And, and do you have a technique that you find to be the, the essential technique to use? Well, first of all, I've had days like that. Okay, good to know. You know, so don't don't think that you're anything special. I, I you know, or I mean, you are special, Phil, yeah, but, but there's anything wrong with that. Some days, what I tell myself is some days the tree just doesn't want to be climbed. You know, that's just the way it is. Um, and maybe I was not respectful enough to the tree when I first uh, introduced myself. Uh, so I, I come back another day and usually get it on the first, first throw. I believe in stuff like that. But we use throw bags. They're bags filled with lead shot. Some of us are trying to transition to a copper uh, weights because... The bags do break, they do spill out their contents, and lead is toxic, and we don't want to spread lead into, in, the, in the forest. But using throw, throw lines, thin lines, almost like a P-cord, and these throw bags, we make our throws into the trees, and we use those lines to pull up our climbing ropes. So, um, yeah, so, but there are techniques that you could easily fill uh, you're, you're athletic, you're, uh, you're accomplished and in, in working with the challenge courses. You could easily throw, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, 75, 80 feet up there. But as far as uh, higher than that, we do have slingshots. We have something called a big shot, which is a, uh, an eight-foot pole, fiberglass pole, with surgical elastic on it. And you pull it back and you have a, a lighter, a lighter throw, throw bag, throw weight in there. Uh, and a thinner throw line. You can shoot that thing 100 feet, 120 feet. Uh, that's what we use. Some people use crossbows. Yeah, everybody comes up. There's a lot of creativity in the uh, recreational tree climbing community. So we have all sorts of devices. Here in Colorado, there are very few trees that I climb in, in my neck of the woods that are over, say, 80, 90 feet. So I, I can hit that, you know, just manually. Okay, so challenge accepted there, half <laughs> for me. Maybe maybe offline, I will uh, I'll share some techniques with you and uh, recommend some equipment, and you can go out there and just uh, just have a great time impressing your daughter. Yeah, all of the all of the toddler harness and helmet that I got my daughter is from Petzl. I'm going to say that mm -hmm. again to see if we can get another plug in. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, give, give Phil give Phil some stuff. Give exactly. Him some blame. See, you've heard Harv say this now as well. <laughs> I'll make sure I add this little audio and I'll send it in the email. <laughs> In terms of like the overlap, I think that probably people can who who are listening to this can sense there's definitely an overlap between what we're doing and what you're doing. You're referencing terms that would be familiar to people in our industry. Where do you think the alignment is between the education that we're doing in a challenge course and maybe the education that you're doing in tree climbing? Yeah, that's that's great to to think about. Uh, when I when I used to be doing programs for school groups or Girl Scouts. I would always try to incorporate a little natural history into the experience. I would talk to them about the tree, the species of tree, um, about its place and its importance in that, that particular ecosystem. So to bring in the natural history and the ecology of it, also to give them, to tell them how to, um, how just to, to be in nature, to, to slow down, to, to align their pace with the pace around them so that they can uh, they can more uh, easily experience things with their all their senses with their s- sense of smell sense of hearing sense of touch so there's so much education we're finding out so much these days about how important it is to be outdoors you know they, everybody's talking now about the Japanese concept of uh, Shinran Yoku which is forest bathing just to the the advantages to your mental and psychological health just by being in the woods and being in, in trees is so important. There is an episode of the podcast called Finding Pine Cones. And in it, I detail the need to really focus on the individual, sometimes in the groups that you work with, and try to meet their needs instead of assuming that I know what the outcome is going to be. And I think sometimes in that specific story, someone asked me, what is this? And it was a pine cone. And I talked to them about what a pine cone was. And I think I... From my personal or professional background, I used to teach um, outdoor education, environmental education. And so I was able to tie in some of that information into the programming. So as we were up in the trees, exactly the same. I would start talking about them and start talking about some of the ecology, like what lives here. Because I think that those kind of things can be really helpful to tie into people. There's, there's always the opportunity for learning and growth. And so I, my recommendation to people listening to this is if you're working in a on a, a particularly on a tree course, if you're a challenge course that is utilizing trees or in built in trees, learn a little bit about the trees, learn a little bit about what's going on around you, because that will certainly give you a, a greater respect for what's going on, but also give you really awesome nuggets of information to be able to then share with the people that you work with, which often is very um, eye opening to people. And they don't know this stuff, especially if you're working with people who are used to the outdoors. That's well said, Phil. I, I, I agree completely. There's also, I find along the lines of what you're talking about, knowing the species of trees helps you relate to it and identify with it a little bit. So it's not just a thing anymore. It's a living thing. It's an organism. All of a sudden, it's something, something you know something about that you can relate to. And that builds the constituency. Mm-hmm. That builds the constituency of people who care for this natural resource and who want to protect it, and who will stand up for it, maybe even pay for it a little more and support, you know, parks and uh, recreation centers and nature centers. So I I find it's all part of a a larger whole. That's really important. 
Yeah, we have this uh, phrasing in experiential education called connection before content. And we're really talking about connection to each other before we gauge, engage in some content. But I think it really applies to the outdoors as well. The connection to the outdoors that we're inviting people into is equally as important. And in terms of what we talk about between human beings, that you're more likely to support and empathize with an individual if you're connected to that individual. So in that same regard, you're more likely to empathize and support nature if you're more connected to the nature. And so when we're bringing people out into the woods, if you're talking to them about the importance of those trees and teaching people about them, they're much more likely to advocate when it comes to things like climate change and and movements that are working towards protecting the the environment that we work in and love. So I I think that that's that sharing. And what I'm sensing from you, um, Harv, as well, that your your passion and your love for that environment is also what you're trying to impart, which is beyond the the physical structure of how you climb trees, but is the love of the environment that I think is important to share as well. And our executive director says, when in doubt, give them your heart. And he refers to that notion of like, no matter what, if you just speak from the heart, then you'll meet people where they're at. So um, I appreciate you being able to share your heart. That's great. That's a great phrase. I'll, I'll have to remember that. And you're you're absolutely right. I mean, everything I've, I've been doing in the latter part of my life has been about the environment. My other work, my uh, the nonprofit boards that I sit on are all all concerned with the environment. And it's a little, you know, it's a little sort of uh, a little stealth attitude that you you know we're teaching people to. To, to climb trees, but we have this other agenda to uh, build the environmental constituency. It's, it's not super expensive for a lifelong activity. And it's, it is fun. It is all those things. It's, it's, it's experiential. It's adventurous. It's uh, educational. It's, uh, it gets you in shape, but it's also fun. There's just the fun aspect of it. One of the things I love to do even though I climb solo a lot, is to be up in a tree with other people. It just seems to enhance that social experience. Uh, It enhances conversations. It puts a a shared context, a shared environment, you know, into everyone up there. So you're not talking to a bunch of strangers. Uh, Everybody shares something, and I think it it enhances uh, relationships. So there's that human aspect. It's not, we love trees. It's not about conquering trees or peak bagging or anything like that. We love climbing trees. We love being in the trees, but it's also a very human experience. The training team at High Five, I'm going to get us all together and we'll go and take a tree climbing course. If you're ever out here, I'd be glad to take you up anytime. Awesome. Thank you so much, Harv. It's been an absolute pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for listening to Vertical Playtime. And then what about, thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast. Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for getting it. I think I'll pass the guy. <laughs>
and clicking on the support us button at the very top of the page. Thank you once again. Stay safe and stay connected.